0: Today's episode of the NFL Show is brought to you by State Farm. When you need a game plan for protection, State Farm agents are here to help. With personalized service, agents are available to talk in person, over text, or through the State Farm app. So go with the one with coverage and agents you can count on. Find an agent in your neighborhood today. State Farm. Talk to an agent today.
1: Welcome. The Ringer NFL Show. I'm Robert Mays, joined as always by Kevin Clark. Kevin, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Good play of games this week. Yeah, it is. We have the rekindling of the Niner Seahawks rivalry, which I wrote about on TheRinger.com today. We have Cowboys Vikings. We have the Rams playing a suddenly resurgent Steelers defense. We will talk about all of those. Before we do that, though, we're pretty much getting into the second half of the season now. You can debate whether it's week eight or week nine with the buys. I've always struggled with that. It's I, I never know when to do it because half the teams have only played seven games through eight weeks. It's a strange league. Anyway, I'm saying that we're starting the second half of the season right now for the purposes of this segment. This
0: podcast is the official start of the second half of the season. For That's the exactly
1: right. We're the ones that make the rules. We're going to talk about the most pressing questions that we have heading into the second half of the season. We're going to do a few each. We're going to try to hit on a bunch of different teams and some big picture topics. So, Kevin, why don't you start us off? So I have three.
0: And I want to start with the most pressing one. Last year, around midseason, Cleveland Browns start a climb up that made them the offseason darlings, the training camp darlings, the September darlings. And now we know that was, that was all for naught. That was, that was fool's gold. I'm wondering now if with the talent they have, because Miles Garrett is the highest rated defensive player in the NFL right now, according to Pro Football Focus, there, are, there is still talent there, okay? It's just a very strange team right now. You know, Sam Monson from Pro Football Focus put it the right way. He basically said the structural components are all there. This is him writing in Pro Football Focus, but they're an engine whose timing is off. And that means Baker Mayfield missing routine throws, receivers not being on the same page, the offensive line not being around, uh, not being a strength. So my question is, is there anything the Browns can do with their paper talent that will salvage this and set them up next year to have any hype at all, or is this just headed straight down?
1: I've been trying to talk myself into it for the last month, just because I think both of us were pretty high on the Browns coming into the season. I was Well, they're done we for
0: 2019. They are done yeah, for no, 2019. No. This is a 2020 question.
1: I, it's absolutely, but it's more so that I've been trying to find reasons that there's going to be some right. improvement, even if it can't save their season, to make them start moving in the right direction. And every single game, it just seems like the same stuff is wrong. So I don't know. It's hard for me to say that there will be because last year you could point to one catalyst, one factor that really changed everything. That's when they fired Hugh Jackson. They gave play calling duties to Freddie Kitchens and things really kind of shifted. This year, what's that catalyst going to be? I mean, they pretty much said this week that Freddie Kitchens is not going to give up play calling, even though I think at this point it might be a good thing. I mean, the last time a stagnant team gave play calling to Todd Monken, it turned that team into one of the best offenses in football last year in Tampa Bay. I mean, that was a huge, huge boon for them is when they moved from Cutter to Monken. I just don't see that happening. So if it's not going to be some overarching, sweeping change, are there enough incremental things that can happen to turn this around, at least for the second half of the season? The answer to that for me is no. I just don't know what it would possibly be.
0: Baker Mayfield's passer rating under pressure is about 40. Okay, it was 35 last week. He improved it to 40. Congratulations, Baker Mayfield. I thought Mayfield.
1: you said four. You cut out there right when you said it. That would, I would have been like, okay, that sounds right.
0: Well, so it is 40 is worse than Sam Darnold, Mr. Seeing Ghosts. And as broken as Sam Darnold looks, apparently Baker Mayfield is just as broken. Here's my question to you, my, my secondary question, question within the question. Is Baker Mayfield's 2020 going to look more like 2018 or
1: 2019? I think that's impossible to know. It's all about whatever structure they put him in, and I do think the component parts are there, like Sam says, but I think the engine is whatever the scheme and overall play calling strategy is going to be, and I think that part is wonky right now. I don't know how they change it. I don't know if they move on from Freddie Kitchens after the season. Something needs to change at the baseline level of the way this offense is structured, and I think that's when we'll see the most out of Baker Mayfield. I was having a discussion with somebody this week who I certainly trust about football, and he said that he would trade for Baker Mayfield right now. And he yeah. would trade a high pick for Baker Mayfield right now. People that really are in the know, I think, well, yeah. still believe in Baker Mayfield. Uh,
0: I don't think anyone's writing off Baker Mayfield. They're they're writing no. off Baker Mayfield in you know week 10 of the NFL season because he looks like there's a lot of work to do. But I think you could save Baker Mayfield quite easily.
1: And I, I think the, the then the question becomes, how are you going to save him? If you were Cleveland right now, and this didn't get any better by the end of the season, what would you consider doing with Kitchens? If this, if if the Browns, if it's this, if, if the Browns this for the next eight games, if the
0: Browns show no improvement, none, and Baker Mayfield either regresses or stays the same, which is in and of itself a regression from twenty eighteen, obviously, I would look very hard at what the coaching market looked like now. There's a real possibility that there's maybe not great options out there. I mean, listen, you don't, the Jets thought it was great to fire Todd Bowles, and all of a sudden they ended up with Adam Gase. Okay. So there's no guarantee there's going to be a better option out there. But if there's a coach out there who is ready to make the jump, or, you know, a Lincoln Riley is ready, somebody, somebody like that. I'd consider that. I mean, I understand that going with the guys never coached in the NFL before is a risk, but so is rolling the dice on Freddie Kitchens next year. I wouldn't necessarily say Freddie's got to go. I wouldn't say that. But what I would say is I would look at the market and what might be
1: available. Because I think the difference between this team and the rest of the teams that have struggled compared to what their preseason expectations were, and I mean really struggled, like one or two wins, is that this team's talent is in place to win right now. Yep. And they really are. Even with Atlanta, I feel like their defensive talent is wanting. I think that the Browns are the most talented team that's really struggling right now. You can maybe throw the Bears in there, but I think the quarterback situation makes that a different conversation. So I think that's why there's a sense of urgency with Cleveland that there might not be with some of these other teams that are playing this poorly. I don't think Zach Taylor should lose his job because the Bengals are awful, but the Browns are good enough now with the players Mm -hmm. on their team. That you really want to take make the most of it here in the next couple of years, and I think you have to look really hard at whether Freddie Kitchens is the person to do that.
0: I think there are ten coaches in the NFL who could win uh, thirteen games with that with that Cleveland roster. I
1: tend to agree.
0: I mean, I don't know. I, I'm not going to sit here and name those coaches, and you guys probably know who they are. But I think that there are there are coaches who can win a lot of games with that 53 man roster. Now, but listen, there are holes. We're not saying this is perfect. The offensive line was a hole. We knew the offensive sure. line was going to be a hole. It, this is not a perfect roster by any means, but it's certainly a better roster than, say, the Buffalo Bills. And obviously, this, there's schedule problems or whatever, but I'm just saying that the, the teams win with this
1: kind of talent and they've Absolutely. got the Absolutely. And teams move the ball with worse offensive lines than the Browns have right now. I can promise you that. It's not good, but it's not that bad. The Seahawks' offensive line is worse.
0: They also have quarterbacks who don't just have ha- have strangely developed a bunch of bad habits that don't seem to that seem to come from nowhere. I mean, I, this, is, this is strange. This is a strange season for the Browns. And look, this is something I keep coming back to, but there's probably something to the fact that we were all hyping up the 49ers last year and then they they look, you know, not great, then their quarterback gets hurt, they've lost season. And this year they look like one of the best teams in the NFL. Maybe we're always a year too early on this hype thing. Maybe it always takes a year longer than we think. Maybe this this league is not as immediate as we think. We've seen some overnight success stories, but maybe those just the exception not the rule. So maybe we were all just too early on the Browns hype. We need to reset for 2020, or maybe this isn't just this is just not fixable. I don't know the answer to that. I'm not smart enough.
1: The difference for me is that the source of my optimism in the, in the 49ers was their coaching staff. The source of my pessimism in the Browns is their coaching staff. Yeah. If those things are going to stay the same from one year to the other, then I don't really think there's going to be that same carryover that there has been in San Francisco. Tough one. All right, let's get to my first one here. I want to talk about something that you wrote about this week. And that is, what is the future of Cam Newton going to be in Carolina? And I know that that's not going to be a question that's answered on the field because he's done for the season. But what is going to happen there? And depending on what does happen there, where does Cam Newton end up and what does that say about the movement of the quarterback market? So when you're thinking about Cam Newton right now, what is the number one thing you are curious about as it relates to next offseason?
0: Well, it's his health, number one. Yeah. And whether or not, you know, I think what's interesting to me is what does he look like in offseason programs or what's his health around March when teams might be, looking at him. And one of those teams would be the Carolina Panthers who have him at $20 million next year, which I find to be a bargain, okay? If oh, Cam, if, Cam, if Cam Newton is decently healthy in a league where Jared Goff is making 36 thirty six next year, Joe Flacco is scheduled to make 25 next year, Cam Newton to 20, sign me up. Um, if he can't move, if he looks like he did at the beginning of this season with the Liz Frank and the shoulder sort of compounding each other, um, then it's a different question. But if he's decently healthy, I think that that he is going to be either the best option for the Panthers or the best quarterback available in the free agent market. And so I think that this is a health first question and everything else flows from there because we know what Cam, a healthy Cam Newton can do. If you don't think that Cam Newton can be a good quarterback, then I just, there, there are a lot of people, a lot of people. I would say... Well, I'd say eighty percent of the people agreed with me on, on on Cam Newton, my story, kind of celebrating his his Carolina legacy, and there were twenty people, twenty percent of people, who were just relentlessly negative. They either brought up his his off season and or his off field antics, or on field antics, whatever the hell you want to call it. Um, they like brought what? That's, I just I, I, like he dabbed. <laughs> I don't know, dude. It was ridiculous.
1: Oh and then God, he also gave footballs to kids well, forever. Okay. Like, I mean, it's just like he, the the guy's done so much good right, stuff. It's all, right, all ridiculous.
0: Let's leave that aside. I don't care. I don't care. I, I know. I know. I, it's just, it's I, I care about his play. People were posting screen grabs of Pro Football Reference being like, he never had a passer rating over a blank. He never had a completion percentage over this. If you watch Cam Newton and you think he's a bad quarterback, then what you have just told me. Is that you are new to football and you need to find out who's good and who's bad? <laughs> this is congratulations. You've discovered the sport of football. Okay, that's what you're telling me. If you're telling me that Cam Newton was never a good quarterback, okay. So I, I, it makes me really angry that people don't appreciate how good he was. Not only in 2015, but before that. Um, you know, he's not. You know, in 2017, I think he he averaged 15 yards per run on the read option, and he was a good passer. I mean, this was not. You know, I, I there was an amazing article from 2016 I found um, by Kevin Seifert, I think, where he said that not only did he have almost double the design runs of any other quarterback, but 66% of those runs were between the tackles. Nobody else was playing that sort of style. That probably caught up with him. Um, ESPN said the other day that he's taken 1,235 hits so far in his career, which is by far the most of any quarterback. And I think that there's probably... You know, at some point uh, that that does catch up with you. But I still think that there's listen, if the if the foot can heal and that's not necessarily hit related and the shoulder can get to where it is, Cam Newton can still be a really good quarterback.
1: I'll be really curious to see what Carolina's just how they think about it going in. Is this what they just did putting him on IR? Is that them pulling the plug? Is that them saying we're moving on? Because this is as emotional as it is practical, right? And I think that's going to play a huge part in it. I feel like Buzz Cook is really going to have to make his money this offseason. Because I think that kind of getting things out there about how healthy Cam is or isn't is going to be a big part of what drives his market. Because he's 30 years old. He's got to be hoping for a new contract at this point, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not just the one more year in Carolina. It's that if Carolina has moved on, can, somebody, can his representation convince someone to take him? And I think that's going to be a huge question. I would take him. I mean, I think, listen, I don't think— I would take him if he's healthy. <laughs> if, he gets, I, I just, if he
0: gets cut loose, I think what's not going to happen is the team's going to go all on Cam Newton, give him a multi-year deal, you know, uh, don't have any competition for him. I think there might be a situation where he comes into a place where maybe there's a, a rookie quarterback who, who's still around, rookie contract quarterback still around. And honestly, maybe it's Chicago. Would you take Cam Newton next year at, I don't know, 14 a year for for two years?
1: I don't think it'd be 14 a year.
0: You think it'd be lower? I think it'd be higher. It'd be higher. Okay.
1: Yeah. I think you'd have to give him at least 20 million. I think that's the going rate for that kind of quarterback. I
0: mean, it depends on the market. It depends on the market.
1: I mean, Case Keenum got $18 million <laughs> a year. Yeah. I mean, this, is a, this is a league where if you are that kind of stopgap quarterback.
0: Case Keenum was coming off a playoff run.
1: No, uh, You're right. He's but healthy. I just think that that, he, he was that healthy. That tier of quarterback.
0: Health is so important. And if he's understandable. not. Understandable. I, I think if he, if he is not healthy, if he doesn't prove his health. I think you're looking at you know the 14, 15, 16 million dollar range. If he is but healthy, how do you improve your health? I don't that's, know. That's I don't know. How you're, do you know? He's on injured reserve now. That's the I'm saying that's a problem. Again, the best solution is Carolina brings him back at $20 million for everybody. For everybody. Because I don't think he's i if he makes $20 million next year, and that's certainly possible then it's going to be in a situation that might be worse. It might be, a, you might end up in a place like Chicago. You might end up in a place like Tennessee. You might end up in a place like Tampa Bay, who needs a stopgap solution and is looking for a younger quarterback down the line. Carolina, listen, do you think Kyle Allen is a long-term starter there? Is Absolutely Kyle not. Allen? Yeah, so I, if I'm them, I roll the dice and say, who cares? Let's bring Cam Newton back.
1: I think Kyle Allen's had some moments, and I think that he's promising. If you want to develop him somewhere, whatever, if you want to keep him as a backup, that's cool, but Carolina's options are not Kyle Allen or Cam Newton. Carolina's options are probably keeping Cam Newton if you think he's healthy, because if, he, if Cam Newton's healthy, there's no reason to go out and get another one of those stopgap quarterbacks. Right. Who would be better than healthy Cam Newton? You already have him in the building. So if he's healthy and you don't feel like you don't want to draft a quarterback, you don't think this is the time you want to move on, I think you keep him. But if you're ready, if you think it's in the best interest of your your franchise, just in terms of having Cam in the building, what that means, all that stuff, which matters, then I think that you probably move on and try to draft somebody. I don't think Kyle Allen is the answer even for one year. I really don't. Because I think your roster is too good to do that.
0: Yeah. uh, Hey, listen, it's going to be one of the most fascinating Things of this offseason. and I I I, I mentioned to see the quarterback market as a whole. I think there's a lot of a lot of questions to be answered with that. Those That's a the huge part of this eight weeks. But it'll be it'll be fascinating to watch what happens.
1: And I think that's what I'm saying is that if Cam Newton's even slightly healthy, if you are confident he's going to be able to play, then Mm -hmm. moving on from him to get a Mariota or a Winston or a Dalton or a Tannehill or a Foles or a Minshew or all these guys I think about on a daily basis now, it's it's not worth it. Because I think it's going to be such a lateral move that why wouldn't you just roll with Cam again? But there's so many factors involved here. I mean, it's going to be one of the most pressing, interesting questions about the entire league this year, and I think Cam is a huge part of it. All right, let's get to your next one here, bud. Packers. Greg Rosenthal
0: tweeted this out today. Packers are 31st in yards per play allowed since week four. Okay? Uh, Peter Bukowski on SB Nation Packers blog had a really good breakdown of just how bad the Packers have been when the quarterback has time to throw. Um, I believe they are allowing the most 40-yard-plus plays in the NFL. Um, Quarterbacks are just absolutely dicing them up when they have over... Uh, 2.5 seconds to throw. So if they're not generating pressure, and listen, th- for many of these games they have been, but when they're not generating pressure, things have, have gotten bad for them. The Packers are, have been a very strange team this year and they've been very good and we've considered them one of the NFC's best. But at this point, they've been pretty inconsistent. You know, obviously they had the defensive victories in the beginning of the season. They were turning their ball over at an awesome rate. And then Rodgers starts carrying them a little bit. And last week, you know, things got weird in in Los Angeles in a a soccer stadium parking lot. And (laughs) I'm I'm wondering whether or not in the second half of the season, they become the complete team to make the leap and get in with the Saints and get in with the, the San Francisco 49ers. Because from where I sit... If both the offense and the defense start firing at the same time, they absolutely are on that level. I just haven't seen that yet.
1: Where are you on this? The defense is worrying, but I also think they're a defense that's still in some transition. You know, Amos is in I his agree. first year with the team. I agree. Savage is in his first year with the team. You, know, you bring in B.J. Goodson in, as a free agent this offseason late because they were so injured at linebacker, and you have to kind of implement him at a strange time. <laughs> They're, what they're doing defensively is kind of wonky, right? You know, they're playing Amos as a dime linebacker a lot. They're playing tons of defensive backs. Kevin King has struggled a little bit. It's, you know, they have, God, what's that guy's name? Chandon Sullivan. I mean, that, he's playing a decent amount for this team. I mean, they have so many moving pieces on the back end that I trust the talent to eventually win out. With teams like this, we've talked about it forever. I mean, you're really not the team you're going to be probably until like Thanksgiving. So I think they're still in transition to a certain degree, but I am with you watching that game. When they weren't getting pressure, they were just getting diced up. Jair Alexander also didn't have a good game. I think he'll be better. I tend to think they'll be all right, but they're definitely struggling to find exactly who they want to be defensively right now. Cause when they pr- bring Amos down, And as that dying linebacker, that's when they just get eaten up against the run. So if you're not going to be able to stop the run and you're getting gashed by people throwing the ball at you, you're probably going to need to find a different solution.
0: Here's what's encouraging is you're right. There's a lot of new faces on that defense, even though Mike Patton obviously is the carryover and a lot of young players who are getting better. You know, I think that that's one of the things about the guys who are holdovers is that there's a lot of youth there. And I think that what's important in today's NFL is, you know, look, you don't have time to become a cohesive unit in September or October. So the fact that they were that good early on and that things will only get more cohesive from there as long as they stay healthy, I think that's important. I think that's encouraging and that's a sign they might be able to get there. Um, I just I want to see it because I think I would love to see. Aaron Rodgers with an elite defense in the playoffs going up, going to New Orleans, going to San Francisco. That would be one of the most fun things you could possibly see in the month of January.
1: Yeah, and I think the encouraging thing for them is that it's not as if they've struggled. They've been successful for the most part. The 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 7-2. Yeah, the 7-2. We're not talking about the Browns here. The 7-2. They're they're going to probably win the division. As you try to figure yourself out, as long as you're staying afloat and you're maintaining a playoff spot and you're pretty much ensuring that you're going to get into the dance some way, shape, or form, that's what you need to do. As long as you're making sure that you're going to get there, you have time and room to figure it out along the way. And I think that's the stage they're in right now. Agree. All right. I want to talk about a team that they roasted a couple weeks ago, but I'm very curious about what's going to happen with the Raiders this offseason. And how good the Raiders can look on offense over the second half of the season. They've been pretty damn good, man. And they've been pretty damn good without any receiving talent. I mean, Tyrell Williams has been hurt for a good chunk of the year. Darren Waller looks like a superstar. He has been amazing for them. The offensive line has been really, really good. I mean, they've really pushed people around on the ground. Their pass protection has been excellent. And Carr has really settled in to that in year two under Gruden. The offense looks crisp. He's, I mean, he completed a couple throws against Detroit last week where I just kind of sat up in my chair and it was like, wow, they look really good right now. So I'm curious if they continue this, what's their next off season going to look like? Right. First of all, can they make the playoffs? Second of all, what kind of pieces can they add? And can Carr be the guy for them? I just assume I think coming into the year, I think he can too. And I feel like he struggled so much last year. And we probably didn't I probably didn't give enough credence to the fact that it was his first year, that the supporting cast was pretty bad all around. They've just been surprising on so many levels. And I cannot I'm really interested in what's going to happen to them over the next six months here because I just did not expect them to be at this level and I did not expect this trajectory to exist for this franchise.
0: Let me ask you a question. I agree with you. The the Raiders have been extremely impressive. I've liked what they've done. John Gruden is objectively a good coach. Do you think this would have been different if John Gruden did not have full personnel control the whole time? Like, if, if, there were, if someone like Mayock was calling the shots from the beginning and we didn't have the huge overhaul of the roster and, and that kind of thing, do you think that Gruden, the GM, hurt Gruden, the coach? And because I think Gruden is, I think we all can agree, probably, that Gruden, as we see now, is a really good coach.
1: I don't know if you can necessarily say that. I mean, would you like to have Amari Cooper on this team? Maybe. I mean, the first round pick is nice to have, but I think Amari Cooper is was going to be pretty much as good and you had the money. I mean, you could have paid Amari Cooper not that much less or not that much more than you paid Tyrell Williams, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think that that one is questionable. The Mac trade, I, it's hard to argue with it right now. I mean, would Khalil Mack make this team that much better? I don't know. I mean, they got two first-round picks for him. They, those first-round picks are succeeding for the most part. I mean, Jacobs has been really good. So I don't know. I don't think they put them that much behind the eight ball. I mean, I've, I, I'm i definitely eating crow about the Mac thing. I would love to have him. I would do the trade again. But I think if you're Oakland, you'd probably do the trade again. So I'm not sure. And even what they spent in, spent in free agency this year, yeah. I think it'd come back to bite them down the road. But it's worked out for them so far. I mean, Trent Brown has been excellent. I think that Williams has given them something when he has been out there. It's a lot of money, but right now, the way they've built this team, I think is okay. I think they could be in trouble a couple years from now when some of these bills come due, but I don't feel like it's hindered him that much to this point.
0: Yeah, okay. So back to, I I generally agree with you. I think that, you know, someone like Amari Cooper would have helped this team. Uh, The Mac thing, I think we still have I think the jury's still out on that. Um, obviously, what didn't Gruden win the Sloan Sports Analytic trade of the year or something for yes. Trent Colomac? I mean, that's, yeah. I think
1: that's really silly. But it well, was,
0: let's put that aside for a second. So, yes. uh, Josh Jabot said this, uh, Derek Carr last five games, 70, 70% completion percentage, 8.5 yards per attempt, nine touchdowns, one interception, 112 rating. I mean, this is 2016 Derek Carr, and it's really it's fun to He's see. better. He's and way better. Than he was in 2016.
1: Absolutely. Okay. He's a better quarterback right now than he was in 2016.
0: I mean, the Derek Carr thing to me is one of the most interesting career paths that we've got going on right now. If he can get to a place where he is a really good borderline top 10 quarterback, and he's, you know, obviously the last five weeks don't dictate whether or not he is, you know, permanently in that group, but that is fascinating to me. And I think that John Gruden deserves a lot of credit. And I am, I, you know, at this point, it's working out. And, you know, only only nine more years of this.
1: <laughs> I, I mean, in a way, Carr is in the same group as a lot of the guys we always talk about. When mm-hmm. you have the circumstances and you have a chance to succeed. And even though he doesn't have a lot of pass catching options right now, I think that's a very well-constructed offense with an excellent offensive line. Mm-hmm. and that puts him in a spot to succeed and he's taking advantage of it. I don't think that Derek Carr is one of those guys that's going to transcend whatever is around him, but if you put something around him, he has the capability of playing pretty well and we're seeing that right now.
0: All right, last one. What's your next one? Uh, Referees. Kevin Seifert had a piece today at ESPN.com about just how bad it's gotten crisis and officiating. So, 63 total reviews for pass interference. 14% 14% have been overturned. Even when it's clear they have not been over they should be overturned, they have not been overturned. My question is, the league seems to be not only making it up on the fly, but adjusting it on the fly seemingly every week. We went through about an eight-week period where they just decided they're not gonna overturn every anything. And then now they're starting to overturn a little bit. It is so inconsistent, it is maddening. And I wonder. If there's anything the NFL is going to do in the next eight weeks that referees are going to do, or Al Riveron is going to do, that is going to get the focus off of referees, or is this just going to be a disaster through the Super Bowl?
1: What solution do you think there is over the next eight weeks? Because I think that changing how they legislate it is not a solution, and that in o- what is way only going to cause more confusion. I think you think overturning more of them is good? I think the only way you can salvage this
0: is either just overturn none of them which unfortunately they, they went back on a couple weeks ago and just tell, essentially, without, without outwardly saying it, just get coaches to stop challenging or just call it fairly. When, 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 you are, when you get the challenge and somebody's draped, make it a pass interference. Either throw the flag every single time when it really is deserved or never throw the flag. The problem is the inconsistent application at this point.
1: Yeah, I just don't know how it gets more consistent. I almost think that not calling it ever or not, excuse me, not overturning it ever is the correct way to do this. And then in the off season, just well, consider whether it should even be a rule anymore. But I
0: agree. They were on that path and then they stopped. They got off the path and started overturning
1: things. And I think that's when it becomes a disaster. Yeah. Well, that's why it because is. Then a disaster there's no one knows either. anything. It, it's, I don't know. I don't know what the solution is. I don't think there is a good one. Their rule just, if they were going to implement it the way they did at the beginning of the season or for the first six weeks, whenever, it probably shouldn't have even been a rule. Uh, I agree. So now that the horse is out of the barn, I'm not exactly sure what to do here. It's Them sticking with it was probably the move.
0: Really bad. Really bad time for everybody.
1: Great stuff. All right, my uh, my last one here is essentially just who wins the tank fest and what are the implications? Well, let me stop you right there
0: because AJ Green says he's probably not playing this week.
1: The Bengals are going for it, man. I'm really glad they kept him on the team. AJ
0: Green might be the tank commander the last eight weeks of this season.
1: (laughs) He knows. Uh, I understand why if they uh, pick a guy next year and they bring AJ Green back. I get that. I'm, I'm really just kidding. But it really does seem like the Dolphins could lose this thing, man. And I know that picking first or fourth and how much does it really matter? It matters a lot. Because you control the draft when you pick number one. It's not even just the guy you can get there. It's the fact that you control how the entire draft works. That is why you undergo all of the pain and suffering that you have in the last year. If they somehow don't get the number one pick, I just, I cannot even imagine being a Dolphins fan and sitting there with a number two overall pick, not knowing that you get to have anyone you want or all the picks. Dude, they play each other. That's all. That's all it needs to be said. I know. So if, let's say the Jets end up winning the, the Tank Fest and having the worst record, is there any way you can bring back Adam Gase next season? No. God, no. I don't think so either. Uh, wh- right now, is, can you just, is it over? Definitively, can you say that it's probably done?
0: Uh, Well, if Sam Darnold somehow rebounds and looks That's the only way. Decent, but right now he's a broken quarterback and it looks like Adam Gase broke him. So there's that. No, I mean we've talked so much about Adam Gase. It just there's nothing to be done. That's, that team sucks. He has no good ideas. No, get him out. But again, who are you going to get? You're going to get a worse Adam Gase, probably.
1: Honestly, with that with that situation, I don't think it matters. Yeah, I, I think not Adam. I think not Adam Gase is the best coach for the Jets right now. I agree.
0: Before we move on, let's take a quick break. Support for today's show comes from Sideline, the free real-time prediction app that lets you get more out of live sports. Look, anyone who listens to this podcast knows that I get genuinely excited by watching a random second-quarter Kyle Shanahan play action concept. But I can still acknowledge that every moment of every game can't be as exciting on its own as it is for me. Or as a Patrick Mahomes deep bomb is for, you know, a normal person. That's where Sideline comes in. With Sideline, you get to predict what happens next. And make money doing it. Sideline is the game about the game. It's not all insidery like daily fantasy sports, and it's not complicated like live prop betting. Sideline is fun and super easy to play. Join the game before kickoff and answer questions like: Will the Cowboys have more rushing or passing guards on this drive? Will Aaron Donald sack Deshaun Watson in the next five minutes? Get five right and boom. You just won some cash. And did I mention it's free to play? Sideline, the game about the game. Download it now by searching Sideline Sports in the Apple App Store or visit winsideline.com. That's winsideline.com.
1: Let's get to take shop. I'm going to kick us off here. We talked a little bit about Matt LaFleur's Packers earlier and I think for the most for most for most people for most of the season, we would have said that Matt LaFleur was the best first-year coach. I kind of think that what Cliff Kingsbury has done in Arizona is more impressive than what Matt LaFleur has done with the Packers. Mm. I know the Cardinals haven't won that many games, but what the Cardinals' offense looks like right now, considering the talent the Cardinals have on offense, is incredible. They're 16th in DVOA, which doesn't seem impressive, but to be an average offense, which is about what they are right now, with essentially only changing, Matt LaFleur, or excuse me, Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray... Is uh, remarkable. I mean, they have zero talent on the offensive line. Still, their receiving core is pretty much the same. Christian Kirk has been hurt for a good chunk of the year. Their running backs are just falling like flies. Kenyon Drake is the best one on the team now. He's been there for two days. They really move the ball well against the Niners team that was destroying people for the first half of the season. Mm-hmm. I just think that that pairing, the the Kingsbury Kyler pairing in Arizona, what has looked like right now is a success story. No matter how many games the Cardinals win this year, their season is a success if these guys continue to get better for the rest of the year.
0: Yeah, and one of the things about Kingsbury is making adjustments every single week and getting better Absolutely. every single week. Yes. And that's really what you want to see at an NFL coach. He's learning, he's adapting, not only to his skill set, but to the NFL because he's never coached in the NFL before. So I've seen some encouraging signs. This was a really strange hire on the front end. But I think that if you were to map out the best case scenario. It's been that through half a season.
1: Yeah. And it was schematically, especially because I think that the decision making has been wanting at certain points. I mean, they've done some really stupid stuff in terms of fourth down decisions, all of that for the first half of the year. But that stuff has gotten better, and the schematic stuff has gotten better. I and mean, the game plan he had against San Francisco, they're running a lot of like stick, you know, uh, shoot routes on the sideline, getting the ball out quick. I mean, it just, And really taking advantage of Kyler's skill set. I mean, they can throw deep outs in a way that a lot of teams can't because of his arm strength. They're running a lot of them. It's just a really nice marriage, and we don't see that enough. There isn't enough of that in the league. And even if they've been average, that's better than they have any right to be. I, I think it's been encouraging on their end.
0: Yep, totally agree. All right, what's yours? The Chargers need to move to London as soon as possible.
1: Why? Okay, so, De- so,
0: so Dean Spanos comes out and says, it's BS, we're not going. Well, why? You already cut your PSL projection from $400 million in revenue to $150 million in revenue. That's bad. That's really bad. You don't have any fans. You are going to move into a stadium that is 70,000 seats next year when sometimes it looks like you might not be able to sell 28,000 seats. Okay? So... They can, it's just mostly the other team. Yeah, When they play the Steelers and the Packers and yeah. stuff, I mean, like, I, what's going to happen if they, when they play the some lesser, you know, with the Bengals, that kind of thing? I mean, I, I went, I, listen, I went to a Browns Chargers game and the Browns were working on 0 and 16 and uh, it was mostly Browns fans. Like, if you can get invaded by a team that's not going to win any games, well, imagine what happens when it's a good team, right? Um, so I just don't understand why there'd be hesitation. Listen, who, who leaked this story? It wasn't the Chargers, okay? That that seems to be the case. And, you know, Mike Flores, some other people have written about this. There's pr- probably some pressure from either the league office or the Rams, who are certainly not happy with the Chargers situation. Um, I just think that, you know, if everyone is shooting daggers at you, uh, maybe you need to figure it out because it's not going to work in – in Los Angeles, it is not going to work. And this whole thing is, oh, they have a 20-year lease. They have a long time to build the fan base. I'm sorry, when has the NFL ever been patient when it comes to revenue? Like, what are, the NFL is going to say, oh, no, 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 you have 20 years to figure this out. It's fine you cut your revenue projections for $400 million to one fifty million on ticket sales. That's fine. No, they're not going to do that. You, and, and I understand people are saying, oh, well, London may not work. Well, it's got a better, you're going to be the only team there. And the market clearly can sustain football, and one football team, I, I just don't, I, I don't think the Chargers thing will ever work in Los Angeles. Back to the drawing board. You know, listen, the solution is to go back to San Diego. But that seems to not be on the car, in the cards. Because...
1: I just don't see the there's any way it'll happen, no.
0: Well, no, I mean, so there was some rumors that um, there was some site, but then that's gone to San Diego State or something. So that's not going to happen. I'm, I just don't... Uh, the Chargers, whatever the Chargers are doing now, do something else. That's, that's the take shop.
1: So there are four games in London this year. I'm just trying to figure out the logistics of this. Would it actually be possible? Well,
0: they would move to the the reports that they'd move
1: to the AFC South. Okay, yeah. that's the, the Even the geography is not what I'm really concerned about. It's more about just can we have eight games? Can a team be in London for half the season and realistically get back and forth in order to play all of its games without being on a plane for half of their lives?
0: Uh, I think they could. I mean, I think that you'd have to schedule it to where they'd have to have a bunch of home games and a bunch of road games, sort of at the same, in the same way, you know, the bulls leave for all of a month because of the circus. Circus trip that no
1: longer exists, but yeah.
0: That doesn't exist? What happened to the circus?
1: No. The circus is like canceled, man.
0: We canceled the circus? We found some, we found the circus's old tweets?
1: the, the, The circus's old tweets are like how they treated elephants. I'm pretty sure the circus is canceled. Okay.
0: So the so there's literally is there a circus trip anymore? Is it like just tradition?
1: I do not believe so.
0: Okay, They're neither here nor there. So um, it's that kind of thing where you would do three home games. You would kind of package it. I talked to an owner a couple of years ago. I say how did this work? Essentially, this is not about the Chargers, This It's about a team. You'd have an East Coast base, whether that's Orlando, you know, a place with a lot of flights, Orlando, you know, South Florida, Atlanta, that kind of thing, and you would. I mean, it's like like a trillion flights a day from Orlando to to London. They can can figure it out. But that's where you'd have your training camp, your OTAs, your preseason, your tryouts, most importantly. Because, I mean, it's really hard. If you're just trying to work out six kickers. If Matt Nagy's the coach and they're doing a nine-man kicker competition, you'd you'd have that on the east coast of Florida or the East Coast of America instead of you know flying them out to London. So you'd have a home base of operations. You have to schedule it differently. You know, you can you can make it work if they wanted to. If if the bottom line is revenue and spoiler alert in the NFL usually
1: is, um, you can make that work. I think you're right. I, at this point there's no reason not to try something else because what's happening right now clearly isn't working. All right. Let's get to the biggest three games of the week here. Forty ers hosting the Seahawks on Monday Night Football. I wrote about this today. It's really good to have this game matter again, man. This is, these were some of the best moments of my early time covering the league of the last 10 years of football period. And it's, it's different now, obviously. Richard Sherman's on a different team. Russell Wilson is the best player in the league instead of just a guy on those Seahawks teams. But I am very excited to watch those two jerseys on the same field again when it matters.
0: Yeah, I agree. What do you want to see from each team in this one?
1: I'd like to see how San Francisco holds up against a good passing offense because for the most part, they played no one good over the first half of the season. Then we saw what Arizona did to them last week. So playing against Russell Wilson and a group that is just on fire right now with the way that Tyler Lockett is playing, everything else. Josh Gordon is going to be on this team soon. So that's the side for the Niners I want to see. For Seattle, I think it's, again, the defense. I mean, their defense has played so poorly as of late. They got torched by the Bucs last week. Can they start to put something together on that side of the ball over the second half of the season? Because we've seen this all the time, right? Where a team has a great offense and you just need a hot run on defense. You need just to get on a streak where you can put it all together for six, eight weeks, and you can become a real contender. And I think that's what Seattle has to do because they do not have the talent on that side of the ball right now. So can they start to kind of put stuff together over the second half of the year and build a defense that's worth having Russell Wilson as your quarterback?
0: I'm really looking forward to this game because I want to see what the 49ers look like against a really, really good Seahawks team. Now it's going to be in in San Francisco or Santa Clara. So um, I think the Niners probably will win. But the thing we we keep coming back to is this is a schedule league this year. And the Niners have had a good schedule. I mean, they've had the Bengals. They've had the Browns. They've had the Steelers team that was kind of floundering when they played the Redskins. Uh they, you know the barely spoke by the Cardinals they destroyed the Panthers team but that obviously you know it's a different it, the Panthers are a little weird this year even though I think they're a pretty good team this is the game I want to see I, I cannot wait for this there's a couple you know they play the Cardinals again uh the game after this one but then they have Packers Ravens Saints that's a great stretch that is an and awesome stretch they have Seattle stretch. again right uh, they have Seattle last game of the season
1: yeah so I mean it's that, that second and the, half and, the Rams, and the Rams and the
0: Rams then they have the Falcons in the middle.
1: Yeah, it's I mean, it's a good one, man. I am very excited to watch this. I think that we're going to learn a decent amount about both of these teams. I'm also curious to see how the Seattle line can hold up against the Niners pass rush because they've controlled games. And for as great as Russell Wilson has been, the Seahawks offensive line has still been not great this season. And I mean, now they get to have to go against Nick Bosa. So, all right, next one, Rams and Steelers. I just want to talk about the Steelers briefly because I feel like their defense has really started to put it together. And I watched that game that they played against the Colts last week. And I understand that Brian Hoyer was playing for most of that game. But the Colts offensive line is arguably, arguably the best in the league. And the Steelers defensive front just pushed them around. And that group has been awesome this year. It took five seasons, but Bud Dupree is good. So I don't know. I think that the Mika Fitzpatrick trade, I'm not sure if I would have made it still, even though he's played great just because who knows where their pick is going to end up. But that defense makes them interesting every single week.
0: Okay, so let's put the value question aside real quick and whether or not we do the trade. We, you know, we've, we talk about that stuff all the time. Well, let's just talk about how awesome Minka Fitzpatrick is. Sean Gentile tweet, tweeted this out. He said, Minka Fitzpatrick has the most interceptions by a Steelers defensive back since 2010, and he's played six games.
1: <laughs> I mean, some of it's like deflections and all uh, that Yeah, stuff, but I mean, but, like he yeah. he is
0: a force back there.
1: And would you do no, the, the trick? Pick six he had last week? Is awesome. I mean, that's just objectively amazing. Yeah, so. he,
0: he's played okay. So in seven games, thirty six tackles from field thirty six tackles, four interceptions, two forced fumbles, one TD scored. I mean, this is this is what you want when you trade a first round pick. Now, it would we do it? I don't know. I mean, the, listen on trades; those things are, are you know. Move shape all the time, and let's let's worry about that in three years whether or not you you would do that trade. Let's worry now about whether or not Minka Fitzpatrick saved the Steelers' season. You know, I saw that ESPN had a thing about you know um, uh, first half MVPs, and the, the ESPN chose Kevin Colbert as the Steelers' first half MVP. And when you consider that they wanted to win this year and not tear it down, you have to agree with that. He saved. Their ability after Ben Roethlisberger goes down, making thirty what thirty four million dollars a year, franchise quarterback, he saved their ability to compete with this trade and a couple of other moves. You know the depth at quarterback has been not disastrous. Um, I'm I'm impressed by the Steelers.
1: It's funny because the Mika Fitzpatrick trade starts looking better as Mika Fitzpatrick starts playing better. Not because he's playing well, because they're winning enough games to not have like a top seven pick. He's making the trade look better just by how many games they're winning. Yep. I think that's the funny part about it is that they have played themselves out of the top 10 because of him. So it's an interesting kind of dual approach to why that trade is getting better every single week. And you know, the contract looks great. I understand all of it. They have him cheaply for two more years after this. They can extend him if they want. I get that entire side, but this is still a team that's probably going to end up in the middle of the pack in the, in the NFL, and they're going to give away their first-round pick. I think that's still a little bit hard to stomach.
0: What I'm saying is if it's the 16th overall pick, then
1: Minka Fitzpatrick is better than anybody you're going to get at 16. That's fair. I, th- I think you can absolutely make that argument. And he's, again, he- he's making sure they get the 16 overall. If bet. you want,
0: if, if, if they are in the market for a quarterback after this season and they have to trade up to get the sixth pit, whatever it is, then the trade looks different.
1: There's a yeah, lot yeah. of
0: ways that this trade can look different. But What I'm saying is as currently constructed, make it's Fitzpatrick is awesome. Let's deal with the rest of it later.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. Watching him has been a blast and watching that defensive front has been a blast. I mean, TJ Watt is really good. The last two years, he's been really good. Cam Hayward still just destroys people. And again, Bud Dupree, a career year in year five. Light has finally come on for Bud Dupree. All right, last one here. Vikings and Cowboys, what are you looking for?
0: First of all, Mario Cooper has, had an MRI on his, I saw that. his knee on Wednesday. And that's that's what I'm looking at because the most important thing is health, um, Always. And so Such I'm, a bummer. I'm I'm monitoring that. Listen, the Cowboys, listen, <laughs> the Baltimore Ravens lead the NFL in, in scoring percentage at 51%. They're the only team in the NFL that scores on over half their drives. The Cowboys are third. The Vikings are fifth. These are two really good offenses. They haven't been consistent. They've laid some eggs. I think that it will take a long time, possibly a decade, for me to stop thinking about how the Cowboys lost to the Adam Gase Jets. But <laughs> at some point, you know, there's not that many good teams this year in the NFL. And at some point, you just start to think about the Cowboys and the Vikings as, as real contenders
1: to make a playoff run. I mean, the Cowboys are, are number one in offensive DVOA right now. Yep, I And mean, that accounts for opponent as well. Their passing offense has been fantastic for most of the season. Their rushing offense has been fantastic for most of the season. They've had those weird blips, but going back to health, most of those weird blips came when Tyron Smith and Lyle Collins were hurt, or either or. And we have not seen this team for extended stretches with everyone. And that's why it kind of bums me out. Because you saw last week when they have both their tackles healthy and Michael Gallup, Randall Cobb, and Amari Cooper, they can just destroy people. I mean, that second half, they moved the ball however they wanted. I understand that it's the Giants, but that group at full strength is so scary, and we just haven't seen it very often. I still think they have what it takes on offense and the talent on offense to hurt the Vikings right now. Because as we saw last week, Minnesota's defense is struggling. And it's Xavier Rhodes. I I think that he's probably the biggest part of that right now, but they're not playing on the back end how they have in years past. I think even without Amari Cooper, this Dallas team can still probably move the ball.
0: Yeah, um, listen, what if you were to lay bets on which team is more likely to go further in the playoffs with these two teams, who are you taking right now?
1: Dallas. Why is that? I just have a lot more faith in Dak Prescott to be this good for the, over the course of the season. Man, Dak Prescott am,
0: is so good this season. He's, he's been he fantastic. so good, and it reminds, me, it reminds me a little bit of the, the transformation that happened with Russell Wilson which was he had such a good supporting cast at the beginning of his career. I'm talking about Prescott and I'm talking about Russell Wilson. That he was penalized in the conversation because it was, oh, well, you know, he's got, the, he's got this running game and he's got these re- offensive line. He's got these receivers. Dak Prescott is a genuinely great quarterback right now. He's playing like it. He's really good. And I think that for some reason, the conversation hasn't caught up with how good his play has been.
1: If you're putting, if you were handicapping the MVP for MVP race right now, where would he be? I mean, he's not. He's not in the top top for me right now. Um, oh, no, I disagree.
0: You you think he's with with Wilson and and Watson? And I don't I don't know where you put Jackson and Rogers, but in that I think put those that in that four, tier? I think
1: the first four you mentioned. I think Wilson's number one. To okay. me, it's not even. It's not a conversation. I'd have Prescott after- like
0: fifth, but on like the second tier after that.
1: Now nah, I think he's right there with one i think and that
0: I think that Prescott is playing better than rogers. I'm talking about who's actually going to win the m v p
1: oh yeah, I'm talking about my personal m v oh, p ballot.
0: no that's different I mean my personal m v p ballot is probably like you know fucking Stefan Gilmore or something I don't know like it, it's it's um i'm I, that wouldn't actually be my vote, but like i i think that I'm talking about if we're only talking about quarterbacks, which is the only people who win the award now that I thought we were discussing who would win the award, Prescott has been really good. 7% of his passes have been dropped. He's been this good and 7% of his passes have been dropped. That is second in the league.
1: Second highest in the league. And if you're trying to build how they lost to the Jets, they had a ton of drops in that game and they couldn't block anybody. And now the offensive line is healthy again. So I think we're going to see more of the same. And I know that Cousins had that great run Well, if we go back to the Vikings or Cowboys question, but it was a four-game run, and the infrastructure of that offense is not nearly as strong. I know Theo and Diggs are great. I know Dalvin Cook is great, but the line is definitely a concern still. I mean, Michael Bennett going against Pat Elfline in this game could become a problem for the Vikings. Their pass protection, especially on the interior, is an issue, and the Cowboys don't have that. The Cowboys have a very good offensive line, very good receivers, a very good running back, and a consistent quarterback that's been good this entire year. I mean, it's been one or two games rather than the five-game blip that Kirk Cousins had to start the season. Four games, whatever it is. So I still feel much better about the Cowboys' offense, and I think their defense is getting better. DeMarcus Lawrence has really come on Getting Michael Bennett has been big for them. They did not have an interior pass rush. I feel really good about this Cowboys team. They're frustrating at times, but I think their ceiling is as high as anyone in the NFC. I've said that all year. Let me ask you
0: one more question about Dak Prescott. So we've gone through the 2016 draft class so many times, Goff, Wentz, Prescott. And I think that each of them have taken their turns in the spotlight. Prescott obviously shined really early on as a mid-round pick. Uh, You know, Wentz looks like an MVP in 2017. 2018, golf gets to the Super Bowl. Prescott is undoubtedly on the top right now. He is blowing them out of the water, both statistically and eye test-wise.
1: I think Wentz has been pretty good. I think Wentz has been better this year than you do, but continue.
0: I think Wentz is still a really good quarterback. But here's my question. Do you think that this is permanent and that Prescott will end up being the best quarterback in the 2016 draft class?
1: I think it depends on what happens with Kellen Moore. Okay. Right? So the advantage that both Goff and Wentz have is that their offensive coordinator can't leave. <laughs> right. right? Yeah. I mean, their offensive coordinator can't leave. Their offensive coordinator is their head coach. If he gets fired, that's the only way he leaves. With, with Prescott, we've seen how different he looks based on the system that he's in. When he was with Linehan for the last two years, this thing really stagnated because that was not an offense that was conducive to quarterback success. This one is. This is a really well designed offense. And if more leaves and you've got to start over again, then I think he falls back to earth a little bit. And that's not a criticism of Dak Prescott. I think we've seen that with every quarterback. You need a little bit of help. And with some guys, you need a lot of help. And he's gotten it this year. And if more leaves, then I don't think it's certain.
0: Sure. I just think Dak Prescott is really freaking good. And I think that at some point, I think, I, I think that at some point he will rise to the almost Russell Wilson level of being able to oh man as far as being able to overcome his surrounding cast do you get what i'm saying like hypothetically i disagree with you 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 think in 2021 dak prescott will be a a total product of his surroundings i don't
1: think it's a total product of his surroundings i just think that russell wilson how many guys are in that class man well i'm not talking but but, transcend your i'm talking
0: about russell wilson in 2014 which is his third season. I think season.
1: Russell Wilson was always this good. If you look at Russell Wilson's efficiency numbers, even when he wasn't asked to do a lot, they were I'm not, still excellent.
0: Right, okay. I'm not saying he's going. he is Russell Wilson. I'm saying that he is going to rise to that role of being able to overcome his surroundings. I'm saying that the most notable person, maybe, I, I think maybe you can throw Aaron Rodgers into this category, who's had a a scheme set up for them to fail and has overcome it. Here's the thing. This is all hypothetical because that's not the case right now. Dak Prescott has a good offensive coordinator. He has a good offensive support system. He has talent around him. If Amari Cooper is healthy, that only helps him. I'm just saying if things went south, that I think Dak Prescott would still be a good quarterback.
1: I think he'd be a pretty good quarterback. Okay, I I think that Russell Wilson is in the class all of his own. And I think, it's. I, I'm not saying it's not I, a criticism I don't, of Dak Prescott. I'm not to say saying he wouldn't be able to do this. I think
0: Russell Wilson's the best quarterback in football. I'm not saying that he's that Dak Prescott is better than Russell Wilson or even close to it at this point. What I'm saying is is that they they will have. I think Prescott can have a similar career path if things went south.
1: I am not nearly as confident in that as you are. Okay. But again, that's not a criticism of Dak Prescott. That's just how I feel about quarterbacking in general. Okay. All right. Quick pick for Thursday night. (sighs) Raiders. Yeah, I'll probably pick the Raiders. I think it's going to be a fun game. I'm so excited to watch Joe or Joey Bosa go up against Trent Brown and that offensive line go against Ingram and Brown because, or excuse me, Ingram and Bosa. I mean, they've been really good this year. They dominated against the Packers last week and that Packers offensive line is excellent. So I'll be watching that. I'm excited to see Carr again. I think the Chargers defense is putting it together a little bit. You know, they're, the back end was so banged up for a lot of the season, but Hayward's playing well. I think King is playing better. Now, they still have absolutely no talent on the second level, but this is going to be fun. It's going to be more fun than we probably would have thought three weeks ago.
0: Yep. I mean, we, If we were talking about who the fun team was coming into this season, if it's a Chargers-Raiders game, we'd be talking about the Chargers. And now I think the Raiders. The Raiders are just as fun.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, also, I think that the Chargers offense still has a really high ceiling. And when they're blocking people, and they probably will against the Raiders who don't have a very good pass rush, I still think they can really put up points. I wouldn't be surprised if this were a shootout, and that would be fun. Yeah, I'm with you. All right. All right, guys. As always, thank you so much for listening to the Ringer NFL Show on the Ringer Podcast Network. We will talk to you on Sunday night.